Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have two guests for the first time in our show's history. So let me introduce Ken Blanchard and Randy Conley. Ken Blanchard is the co-author of more than 65 books, including The One Minute Manager, with combined sales of over 23 million copies. He was inducted into Amazon's Hall of Fame as one of the top 25 best-selling authors of all time. Randy Conley is an Inc. Magazine top 100 leadership speaker, and his award-winning blog, Leading with Trust, has influenced over 4 million viewers since its inception. Ken and Randy's newest book is entitled Simple Truths of Leadership. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ken and Randy. Good to be with you, Matthew. Thanks, Matt. It's a real pleasure. I want to start with something from your most recent book, where the focus is on 52 simple truths about leadership. I'm going to posit that for many of us, we think that leadership, and especially effective leadership, is a complicated topic. So Ken, let me start with you. Why did you focus your newest book on the simple truths of leadership? Well, in many ways, Matt, I've been trying to do that for a long time. The, my mission statement starts with, I am a loving teacher and example of simple truths. Uh, and so I've been trying to take the complicated out of the complex as much as we can. I mean, the woman at manager, which has sold tons of copies is, three little secrets, one minute goal setting, one minute praising, one minute redirection. And so uh, <clears throat> Randy and I just thought it would really be good if we could pull everything together. I've been really getting into servant leadership in, in the last number of years. And as we talked, servant leaders build trust and trust is such an important part. They kind of go together. Isn't that right, Randy? Yeah, they sure do. Sort of like peanut butter and jelly, Matt. You know, they just go together. And there's no doubt leadership is a complex topic, right? There are so many aspects to it, so many parts and pieces. But I think we overcomplicate just because it's complex doesn't mean it has to be complicated. And so we try to uh, just distill it down to some simple truths, sort of the 80-20 rule, right? 80% of what's going to make us successful is those core fundamentals. And uh, that's really the focus of the book. One of the sections that really stuck out to me was the concept of the power of creating autonomy through boundaries. So Randy, let me, let me go to you with this one. Can you discuss why creating autonomy is so vital and how to utilize boundaries to make it happen? Sure. Uh, you know, some of some people think structure and boundaries are constraining, you know, that they prevent people from being creative or autonomous or, you know, innovate. The truth is, it's just the opposite. When you have good boundaries in place and everyone's aware of them, it channels energy. Uh, we like to say that, you know, a river without banks is just a large puddle right? The banks of a river really channel that energy and keep everybody moving in the same direction. And so when people clearly know what's expected of them, it really unleashes their power to go full bore 
uh, in that direction. So, Ken, you want to share a little bit more about autonomy and boundaries? Well, you know, it's interesting, Matthew. When I initially started talking to people about servant leadership, they thought I was talking about the inmates running the prison or trying to please everybody or some religious movement. They didn't understand that there's two parts of servant leadership. And the first has to do with boundaries. And that's the leadership part, which is about vision, direction, values, and goals, you know, because that's the responsibility of the hierarchy. People need to know what they're being held accountable for, what you're trying to do, what values should drive your behavior. And that's the leadership part of servant leadership. Once that's clear, now what you do is you turn the pyramid philosophically upside down, and now you work for your people. And your job is to help them win, help them live according to the vision and accomplish their uh, goals. And so it, the, the leadership part is the boundaries because leadership's about going somewheres. And if you didn't have those boundaries, you know, as Randy's saying, you know, you, you're gonna end up anywhere, you know? And uh, so uh, you wanna make sure that people can live with the boundaries and they have a lot of freedom within that though. One thing that we've learned about a lot of the people that listen to the show is that many of them are very early on in their career journey, their, their leadership journey. And, and I posted on Twitter that I was talking to the two of you and I asked for questions. And one of the questions I received focused on those individuals that are early in their leadership journey. So if someone's listening right now, they're early in their career, they're early in that journey, what would be one or two pieces of advice for them to kick them off on the right foot that they can think about as they start this journey and start to learn the type of leader that they, they want to be, but also that they maybe can be? I think they need to get in their head that leadership's all about we, not me. And that a lot of times when people say, oh, all of a sudden I'm a leader, you know, and all the brains are in my office and everybody should suck up the hierarchy. No, what you really got to know is that when you get to the servant part of servant leadership, you're working with and for your people. And uh, so that when you take over as a new leader, uh, go into the group and say, God, I'm excited that I'm gonna be a chance to work with you. Officially, I'm the leader, but we're in this together. Uh, and I don't have all the answers, but I think one plus one is gonna be a lot greater than two. I would add, Matt, um... Your number one job as a leader, your first and last, and every job in between is about building trust with your people. If you don't have trust with your people, you're not going to be successful in the long run. You may get some short-term wins, but you'll eventually burn through that relationship capital that you have with people. So for everyone just starting out in their leadership journey, build trust. That will be the foundation of all your success moving forward. Another question that I got frequently was about the evolution of the field of leadership development. And, and you all have played a part in that. What surprised you the most about how the field of leadership development has gotten changed? Uh, and maybe as a secondary question, what do you think it's gotten right? And, and what do you think still needs work? What do you think this industry still needs to evolve around? Well, I think, uh, Matthew, in the past, uh, leadership was thought as a hierarchical thing and, and it kind of was a top-down thing. And even in the one-minute manager, it was the manager that made sure that the goals were set and the manager decided who to praise and all. And we did the new one-minute manager a few years ago 
because what we have found, Spencer and I and Randy and everybody in the field is that the people today, they don't like top-down leadership. They want side-by-side -side leadership. That doesn't mean they, don't, they want your position, but they wanna make sure that they know it's we, not me uh, running the operation. And I think that's, uh, that's really been a, a you know, wonderful change. And I, I think the big thing that we kind of continue to work on is helping people get their egos out of the way when they become leaders, you know, and we've said ego stands for edging God out or everything good outside, but it makes you either have false pride when you think you're better than everybody and you're brighter than and all, or fear and self-doubt. And both of those, you're focused on yourself. And, but all the research, for example, take false pride. The guy that did, I'm okay, you're okay, years ago said, the worst life position is I'm okay, you're not. You know, but he said all the research shows that those people are covering up not okay feelings about themselves. And so the biggest thing about being a, an effective leader is to be comfortable with who you are, but to mention and realize that your people are okay too. And it's uh, one plus one is greater than two. You know, Matt, in many ways, Ken has been ahead of his time in terms of uh, the development of the field of leadership. You know, when he, um, one of my textbooks going uh, through university was Ken's textbook, Management of Organizational Behavior, that Ken co-wrote with Paul Hersey, and, and they together created the original situational leadership model. And uh, Ken has since improved that with our approach to situational leadership, which is SL2. And it's all about being others focused, hmm. right? So much of our leadership theory was based in the, you know, emergence of the industrial revolution, right? And sort of the <laughs> manufacturing world and, and hence the command and control. Hmm. People were workers, something that you had to control to, to produce a product or a service. And Leadership today is much more of a stewardship. It's a, it's a calling that people have. I believe leadership is a calling. It's not just a job, but it's helping people be their best. It's unleashing the potential that's within them. And you can only do that through a service mindset and an empowering mindset. And that's what servant leadership is all about. It's about being others focused. It's about recognizing, as Ken said, leadership is not about me. It's about we. It's about what can we do together? How can I, as the leader, come alongside you and partner with you and help you be the best that you can be? Because if you win, I win, the organization wins, you know, that's a win, win, win all the way around. <laughs> So many organizations around the world look to your firm to help them develop their leaders. What does leadership development look like internally at your organization as people move up? How do you guys put into practice what you preach, for lack of a better way to ask that question? Well, it's interesting. You know, when we uh, started, most people who write books and give speeches have, you know, agents and people like that. My wife, with Margie, was the one that pushed us. Uh, 23, 43 years ago to say, let's create an organization for two reasons. One, it can be a laboratory where we can learn. And number two, 
it's where we can also, uh, you know, practice what we preach. And so one of the ways we do that, we just had a meeting just before we came on here where uh, we got results of a whole survey looking at our culture, you know, how are we doing? <clears throat> are people feeling involved? Are people feeling appreciated? Feel, feeling autonomy? All kinds of things. And we're always gathering information on how we can be better. And my son, Scott, is the president now. Uh, he's 57 years old and our daughter, Debbie is heads up our marketing department and Margie's brother, Tom is our CEO. And he was born when she was a freshman at Cornell and Scott's wife, Madeline had headed up our coaching business for years. So it's a family run company, but we got 250 plus uh, people around the world. So we got all the problems and issues that our clients do. So it really gives us a chance to be, I think more helpful. Don't you think Randy? Yeah, I agree. And in one regard, Matt, leadership development in our organization looks very similar to lots of organizations mm -hmm. in that, uh, you know, we've got the standard tuition reimbursement and, you know, internal training, things like that. Uh, but some unique things are that since we're a leadership development firm, our team members can sit in on sessions that, that we give for our clients. So they get to experience our solutions, our teachings, uh, just as our clients do. We have um, all of Blanchard's thought leaders and founding associates, we've all contributed to a book called Leading at a Higher Level. And it's sort of the Blanchard Bible on everything that we've taught over the years. And all the royalties from the sales of that book go into a pool that are used for educational opportunities hmm. for our people outside the company. So if someone wants to get a certification in a particular job field or explore a different topic, uh, that's another resource that they can tap into. So we've tried to be creative in how we provide educational opportunities for folks. Um, probably one of our hallmarks is Ken uh, and Margie co-created with the University of San Diego, a master's degree program. So we have a, a master's of science and executive leadership that we co-operate with the University of San Diego. And a number of our people, including myself, have been able to go through this two-year master's program in executive leadership. And it's really sort of a, an MBA with soul. You know, it's not... Uh, it's not your typical MBA. It's the MBA that's really focused on uh, the people side of leadership. In addition to your standard MBA sort of stuff, it's really heavy on the people focus. What we found, Matthew, is that most MBAs don't teach anything about leadership. Yeah. They put it in an organizational behavior class. And we think that leadership is a transformational journey, starting with self, looking at yourself and asking the question, are you here to serve or be served? And that's where we deal with your ego and things like that. Then we go to one-on-one -on -one leadership, which is about building trust with another individual. And then team leadership, where we're trying to build a sense of community. And then finally, organizational leadership, where you're trying to create a culture. And so half of the courses in the program are on leadership and the rest are on accounting and marketing and gotcha. the typical uh, programs. But it's really geared towards, towards leadership. It's really fun.
you talked about self there and you also said journey. So I want to ask a question about both of you and your, your personal journey that you've taken as a leader. What was the hardest evolution that you had to make over the course of your career in the type of leader that you were aiming to be or the type of leader that you are today? What, what was the struggle point? Where was the biggest struggle along that journey? My biggest struggle, Matthew, is becoming a better listener. You know, I got so many thoughts in my head. When somebody says something, I want to jump in there and give them my opinion. And so, uh, you know, God uh, knew that he wanted us to listen more than speak because he gave us two ears and only one mouth. But uh, that's that's been the biggest challenge for, for me. How about for you, Randy? How have you done? For me, uh, as I think back, it was probably that first supervisory role where I had to move from a peer to someone to being their leader and navigating that, that transition. Um, and then once I got comfortable with that, I think that really, uh, that really set the stage, you know, for uh, going into increasing levels of responsibility. But that first career transition, you know, going from bud to boss, so to speak, you know, is, is a tricky one for people. What do you, from the perch that you guys sit at, what do you think organizations aren't doing enough of to prepare for the challenges ahead? Is it a, not focusing enough on what it means to be an effective leader in a hybrid organization? Is it shortcomings in terms of training and development? If you're like consulting with an organization, where do you think the biggest gap or the biggest miss is right now that organizations aren't investing enough in? Well, I think their biggest problem in most organizations is that they have a program mentality and they bring in this leadership program or this program on sales and all. And but they never do any follow up, you know, and we try to get them to say the important thing about anything in training is not what happens during the training. It's what happens after uh, the, the training. And one of the things that we're excited about this book is it's it's really helping a lot of managers deal with their people and be better because we have 52 uh, simple truths, 26 on servant leadership and 26 on trust. And one side of the page has a simple truth. Like one of my favorites is if you, the key to developing people is to catch them doing something right. Hmm. You know, and then the page, page phasing that starts off with what is the problem? Why it's not implemented? You know, for example, I ask people, how do you know whether you're doing a good job? The number one response I get is nobody's yelled at me lately. You know, no news is good news. Seagull management is alive and well still where you get assignment and your manager disappears until there's a problem. And then he or she flies in, makes a lot of noise, dumps on everybody and flies out. And at the bottom of the page is always an all 52. It says uh, how to make common sense, common practice. And so there's 26 on servant leadership and then 26 on on trust and people are using that randy aren't they in a fun way as they share with their people yeah they sure are we've had a a, a number of organizational leaders tell us that they're sharing one of the simple truths per week with mm. their team and using it as a discussion starter um, but back to your question matt as i think about what organizations are <clears throat> continuing to miss, or I should say, need to keep working on if we put it in a positive mindset. And that is 
virtually every organization says our people are our most important asset, right? Well, I've got news for organizations. People are your only real asset, you know, at the end of the day, right? And at the end of the day, <clears throat> your asset is walking out the door, right? It's gone. And you're depending on them showing up every single day to keep doing the good work that needs to be done to keep your organization alive. And so rather than viewing people as just an asset that's sort of this, you know, impersonal resource, human resource, you know, that shows up to do a job, we have to manage the whole person, right? We're complicated beings that bring our whole selves to work every day. We've got uh, one of my mentors said to me, Randy, people are messy, right? People are messy. It's a hard job being a leader because you deal with a lot of messiness, but that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. And uh, really valuing your people, understanding you're leading and managing the whole person, not just the, the widget that shows up to do a job from eight to five during the day. I think that's what we have to keep working on. I mentioned in the introduction, this is obviously not either of your first rodeo when it comes to um, writing a book. What does the process look like for you when you have this kernel of an idea and it becomes this finished product? What does the process look like? How do you collaborate on something like that? And, and maybe what have you learned about yourself as an author over the years about what works well and, and what doesn't? Well, I think the first thing is you got to talk about is what, what do we want to teach? What's, what's the concepts? You know, we decided we wanted on servant leadership and trust. Well, what's the best way uh, to go about it? And let's, uh, let's brainstorm on that. And we decided to have these little simple truths that people could go through as a way. But as you know, if you've read other books of mine, I've, I've done parables, you know, uh, because I think people learn by, by learning from a, from a story. And one of the things you don't want to do is after you finish a draft, give it to a publisher and let their editor do and then bring it out. No, you want to give it to groups of people. And we have a form we give people. What did you like most about the book? What changes would you make to make this the best book in the subject you ever read? Uh, you know, what's the best title for this book? You know, uh, if, you, if you could change. And we give it to people and then we gave feedback and then we give it to another group. And so we do about three feedback sessions until people are saying, I'd pay $25 for a Xerox copy of that. Now we know we got something. Uh, and then you go to a publisher. So uh, feedback is the breakfast of champions as a writer. Yeah, that's for sure. And let me tell you, Ken, there's a reason. I think our book is the 66th book that he's written. I think it's number 66. <clears throat> and there's a reason he's such a prolific author. He's amazing. He's a he's an auditory learner. You know, he remembers what he hears. And he doesn't so much as write a book as he speaks a book. He'll he'll dictate ideas and concepts, record them, you know, on a recorder, and then we'll go back and type up what he's talking about. Uh, I'm sort of just the opposite. I'm I've got to sit there at the keyboard, you know, and type backspace type backspace you know type more and more 
and sort of get my thoughts out and, and work the words on the page. So it, it was a really fun collaboration, two different styles, but yet we both share the same philosophy of let's keep it simple, right? There's, there's lots of wonderful business books on theory and big broad topics and uh, you know very conceptual, which are wonderful. And we feel that there's a, a, a spot needed for very hands-on practical ways that you really show up as a leader every day. If I think back to, I think this will be our 80th or 90th episode. If I had to peg the topic that has come up the most, it has been this topic or this theme around curiosity. The amount of guests who have brought up, this is what I'm curious about, has blown me away that, that so many people independently have said that that's a huge part of how they think and how they do work. When you think about where you're sitting right now, what are you the most curious about? It can be something in the field, outside the field. Where does curiosity, what does curiosity look like for you both right now? Well, I'm most curious to see what happens to organizations who, as Randy was saying earlier, realize that their people are their most important asset. A lot of people think that profit is the reason for being in business. No, profit is the applause you get for creating a motivating environment for your people. So they take care of your second most important customer, the people who use your products and services. And then they become a raving fan of your organization, become part of your sales force and all. And uh, I'm just really kind of interested to see how we can get more and more companies to, to do this. Because people say, who applies, Blanchard, the stuff that you're talking about? Only the best companies in their fields, like Southwest Airlines in the airline business, Nordstrom's in retail, you know, Wegmans in the grocery business, Disney in the entertainment business, you know, uh, Chick-fil-A in the fast food business. They all are ones who believe in servant leadership, believe in that your people are your most important asset, as Randy has emphasized. And so I'm curious about how this thing could, could be more widely. The working title of this book initially was, duh, why is in common sense, common practice? And that's what my most curious about, why not? <laughs> right, Randy? <laughs> yeah, we, we still lovingly call it the duh book, you know, and there, there's a part of Ken and I that sort of regret that we didn't push harder for that title because <laughs> everybody smiles and, and laughs when they hear it. But apparently, duh doesn't translate very well in lots of other languages. So there you go. Uh, uh, we, we still love simple truths of leadership. Uh, I'm really curious about two things. One is how pervasive trust is in our world and in the dynamics of life. When you think about it, trust infiltrates virtually everything we do. <clears throat> it plays a supporting mechanism or a, a conduit for virtually everything that happens, hmm. right? Our whole commerce system is built on this foundation of trust. I trust that when I give you money for a product or service, you're going to give me something tangible in return, right? Something that's that's worth what I gave you. It's the foundation of human relationships. You know, without trust, there is no relationship. 
So that combined with this idea that leadership is much more about who you are as a person rather than what you do mm. is really interesting to me. I think there's still far too many people that look at leadership as just this, this suite of tools or techniques. If I can just learn this new technique, learn this new model, learn this new whatever, I'll be a good leader. And you can make some progress in that area, but it really comes down to self-examination. Why do you want to be a leader? What is it that motivates you to lead other people? And Ken and I firmly believe it's not about you. It's about wanting to be of service to others. How can you benefit other people? So weaving trust and servant leadership together and how that uh, just makes a better world for all of us to operate in, that's, that's what I remain curious about. Well, that is a wonderful spot to shift to our final two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all guests. So question number one is this, Ken, I'll go to you first. If you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? I'd say supportive. That's the word I'd use. And Randy, over to you. If you could describe your leadership style in one word, what would the word be? Serving. Sounds a little cliche, you know, given the topic we're talking about, but that's that's the real truth. I, I view leadership as service, serving other people. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Well, when I was uh, in seventh grade in Nourishell, New York, I won the president of the seventh grade. And my father retired as an admiral in the Navy. And I came home and I'm all pumped up with, uh, I'm the president. And my father said, Ken, uh, now that you're president, your leadership training begins because now that you're president, don't ever use your position. Great leaders are great because people trust and respect them, not because they have power. Hmm. He said, it's a myth in the military. It's always my way or the highway. He said, sure, in battle, somebody had to call the shots. But if you act like a big deal over your people, uh, they'll shoot you before the enemy. <laughs> and Randy, over to you. The best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, I would say it probably comes out of the Bible, and that would be that uh, the greatest among you is the servant. You know, those who serve others are really the greatest, and, uh, you know, the, the first will be last, and the last will be first. So that idea of putting others ahead of yourself is, is uh, really the true key to success, and I would say that's the best advice I've ever gotten. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you and find out more about the book? If they're interested in learning more about the book, they can go to our book's website, simpletruthsofleadership.com. From there, you can jump to any of your favorite booksellers. And if they want to learn more about our organization, kenblanchard.com. Lots of great resources there on how we help organizations increase their leadership capacity. And of course, Ken and I would love to connect with anyone on all of the social channels. So at Ken Blanchard on Twitter or at Randy Conley, 
connect with us on LinkedIn. We'd, we'd love to be in touch. And if you're interested in, in some of the, all the other books I've written, you can go to kenblanchardbooks.com. Well, thank you for all of the great insight and thanks to all of our wonderful listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Ability Sims. And you can find our organization at ability.com. That is A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E.com. I want to thank Ken and Randy again for joining us on this episode. And of course, I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. This podcast is produced by Ability, a leading provider of award-winning leadership development. You can find us at www.ability.com or by searching for Ability Leadership Development. Make sure to also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini-MBA, The Invited MBA, a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. Find more information at www.invitedmba.com. Finally, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. We want to thank you all for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.